Hello, hello. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Friday edition of the C Report. I'm your host, Mr. C, and it's good to be back with you all. <laughs> oh boy, these early shows. Let me tell you what. Yes, uh, we're coming to you guys a little bit early today because I have a dinner appointment with said friends. Uh, I'll be hanging out with uh, uh, the Speak and Easy and family, God willing. So that's kind of exciting. And I get to hang out with the Foxhole fam. It'll be my first meetup to date uh, with a Foxhole family member. So I'm very excited. Glad you guys are hanging out. I saw a Texas gal is going to be uh, listening and uh, doing stuff around the house. So that's awesome. Glad to hear that I can provide that uh, space <coughs> while you're doing some stuff uh, there and out and about. But again, everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome. We have a special show for you guys today. Aside from the fact that uh, we will be, uh, we are here like what, four hours early? Oh my goodness. I was kind of like, what's going on now? You know, it's not just because it's early that I was running about 10 minutes behind today. There's some technical difficulties going on behind the scenes here, which was nothing big. I just, you know, basically had to unplug everything and plug it back in. You guys know how that goes, you know. You know technology. Technology is one of those things, isn't it? So anyways, guys, we'll have a good show for you all. We'll be hanging out for an hour or two today, probably about two hours. I can imagine it going that far. Uh, we will be actually taking a bite out of some of that international news that some of you guys might be wanting to hear about. So that will be the primary focus for today's show. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about Mexico, Brazil, Italy, and Australia as we move down along and uh, kind of explore some of the things that are going on over there. The fun and interesting thing, though, about when you start getting into international news, you know, uh, because the, you can just really just read the headlines and kind of read the article, but uh, it's, it takes a little bit more digging in, into it than that, especially if you really want to understand who some of the players are and who some of these individuals are, and how they kind of stack up to what's been going on in our fair state of, uh, our fair state of mind. No, into our fair state, our country, the United States of America, especially when you start getting into like, uh, you know, con considering all the work that President Trump did uh, in four years, publicly speaking, in office, uh, you know, who was, uh, who was working with him? Who was he forming alliances with? Um, uh, who was stabbing in the, him in the back? Who was making fun of him behind his back? Who was just basically, you know, still um, um, succumbing to their globalist masters? And I think you'll find that for the most part, a lot of those individuals who are doing that, I mean, a lot of them are the European ones, you know, a lot of them, the European ones, uh, those people are still kind of beholden to that same old globalist styled uh, manufacturing that they have been wrought into for probably like, I don't know, 40 or 50 years, five, six decades, if not more. Well, I mean, obviously it's more, but then, I mean, uh, in regards to some of those states, uh, like they've, they've at least tried, whereas in uh, places like Central America and South America, uh, basically places that were ruined you know, by globalist schemes through the United States government. I mean, basically, the United States was like a proxy weapon against uh, Central and South America uh, in in the latter part of what the 20th century, 20th, 21st, 21st century, 21st century, right? Are we in the 22nd? I don't know. During the 1900s. <laughs> 
to be a fact, to be exact. But yep, that's just kind of the way it goes, you know. Um, but yeah, so we'll be talking about some of these things. And uh, there was a lot, a lot of other, um, there are a lot of other ideas and stories that I was wanting to dig into. But again, time was a factor, especially when we're talking about Mexico. There's a lot of stuff kind of under the currents going on there. But again, the other challenge that is faced whenever you're going into international news, you know, kind of getting away from the states uh, is that um, aside from the limited understanding that many of us have in regards to what is actually going on in countries not our own, we also have to deal with the, um, the agenda that is put forth by the globalists through their media and that is given to us. And of course, because we will always be filtered out in regards to uh, what is actually going on, especially if you're talking about countries that have, uh, you know, a type of um, uh, how you say, like a control on their media and on their uh, their news and their journalism, you know, like what do we really get out of China? Well, what we know of China is obviously it's given to us because there are a lot of um, there are a lot of uh, opponents to the Communist Party here in the States. And that, of course, is something that's really relevant. It's something that's really put out there in regards to uh, uh, how America uh, is dealing with the threat of the Communist Party. But then when you're talking about other countries, like when we're talking about Canada, you know, like uh, I, I, I could do a real quick dig into Canada and we kind of have an overall idea of, of kind of what's going on there. Of course, I don't live in Canada, so I couldn't speak for it. But what I can say is the news that is coming out of Canada is rather limited, you know, and and I think the story is different for those who actually live there and those who actually are living through that. Like, for example, I have uh, my one of my aunts lives over in Canada and uh, what she tells me and what she's told, you know, my family about her experiences there is much different. And, and if it's not much more different, then it's a little bit deeper, you know, than what we're being told in the news and in the headlines. Like I do a quick sh- search on Canada and they're talking about unions uh, who are going on strike and they're not talking about the lockdowns. They're not talking about uh, exactly how severe it is. So you have to take it from people who actually experience it. And I guess people who actually pay attention to what's going on in their location uh, to share with us exactly what is happening. And then when you talk about places like Mexico, you know, um, there are some things that I can find on the country of Mexico. A lot of it is stuff that is actually uh, bashing uh, the current president, uh, President um, uh, President AMLO, President Obrador, over there in Mexico, when we know that from his time uh, uh, working with the Trump administration, that they were working to do a lot of things to benefit the people, as well as to clamp down on the globalist snares that have trapped us. We're talking about NAFTA here, that kind of thing. Uh, and and have been no good for either of our countries and then working together to secure the people. But you're not going to find articles like that nowadays because actually from what I've read and as I will share with you guys in a little bit, uh, the country of Mexico um, is actually a very deadly place for activists and journalists alike who are trying to share with the people the news of what's really going on. And it's not it's not President Obrador's fault that that's happening. This is the fault of the cartels and of crooked po- politicians. Uh, 
So we'll explore that in a little bit. And that's why I'm saying when we're getting into this international news with the way that the mainstream, lamestream fake news media around the world sifts its lies, you know, in regards to what's happening in their country. And then, of course, it's double backed, double downed by the uh, the media here in the States where they don't allow us to see all of the news reports that are coming from international places, uh, we're giving uh, given a very small window, a very small view of what is actually going on out there. And uh, when we talk about Brazil today, that'll be a very good example of what we're talking about in regards to the clampdown on information coming out of other countries. Like we're lucky that we got as much information as we did out of Haiti in regards to their president being assassinated. And perhaps we'll talk about Haiti on our next international uh, show. Um, and then also when we're talking about uh, Cuba, we're very fortunate we got as much information out of Cuba as we did. Although if you guys had not noticed, not much information has been coming out of Cuba since they locked down the internet over there. So uh, very, very tough situations and circumstances for our brothers and sisters around the world. When we're talking about waking up America, when we're talking about the Great Awakening, ladies and gentlemen, um, I think it's safe to say uh, that that Great Awakening was not limited to the borders of these fair United States of America. No, not at all, ladies and gentlemen. I think it very much also traveled into an international audience. You guys know it. I know it. You know, from Hong Kong to Africa to South America to Central America. People were not just rooting for President Trump and supporting President Trump because he used to be on what? Uh, what was that show he used to do? The Apprentice? Was that him? Right? I don't know. The Year Fired show? Not just because he was uh, not just because he was popular in a pop culture, not just because he was a reality TV star. People were supporting President Trump and his administration because of the message, the symbol that that he had for freedom and liberty across. Again, these United States of America, but again, it was going out into the world and people recognized it because the United States, after all, is the last bastion of freedom, at least on paper, for hope when it comes to uh, breaking the chains of these uh, of these uh, um, um, dictators and these uh, otherwise uh, um, uh, people who do not. Uh, wish well for those across the country, across the world. So very interesting stuff, guys. Again, like I'll talk about it, we will be having a little bit of an international episode today. Now, this is my first crack whack at an international episode. So uh, I'll, try and, uh, I'll try and make it as smooth as possible. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And again, welcome, welcome everybody to Friday, July 23rd's edition of the Sea Report. Um, we're gonna do our uh, we're gonna do our chat recap here in just a second, and guys. Okay, so coming on a little bit earlier, <laughs> I wasn't able to get through all of the chat recap, but I got through most of it. I think I think it'll be a good one either way. Uh, Texas gal is hanging out. Hey, pilled by the rabbit. How are you doing this afternoon? Good to see you. Uh, we have another anonymous individual in the chat room. Uh, we don't judge you for being anonymous, but we'd love to know who you are. Uh, no pressure. Actually, I think this one's been here before, but I, I don't know. I'll have to start writing down all the numbers that follow the anonymous people, right? Um, yeah, military information, 17 years active duty, uh, the vaccine that we are getting into the same old da-da-da-da-da. They are da-da-da-da-da. 
if you know what I mean. I have not seen one military member that had adverse reactions. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We're not talking about, we'll be talking about the vaccines and, and COVID at the end of the show with Australia, uh, but that's not the topic today. So anyhow, all right, guys, let's see what we got. Let's get into yesterday's chat recap. All right, here we go. We had a bunch of friends in the house yesterday. Okay. Uh, let's see. Aurelius Locke was hanging out. Texas Gal. Christina Fontana. 123SKG. Always in Texas. Just V. Tam Gural. Deborah Erdman. Tam Gural. Okay. So, yeah, we were kind of all over the place <laughs> at the start of yesterday's show, guys. Who's that? Uh, CJM61. Actually, let me do this over here. Let me do this over here real quick. Do, 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 do. It will be, be pretty chill for a Friday afternoon. Okay, let's see. And I hope everyone's having a good Friday, by the way. Um, I'm, 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 I'm fixing to have a pretty good Friday here. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, we, I will be uh, having dinner with uh, the Speak and Easy and his family a little bit later on tonight. So very excited about that. Uh, they are not from the San Antonio area. I'm down in San Antonio. Uh, I have no, no problem sharing that information with you guys, but, um, yeah. So let's see here. Uh, CJM 61. Hello, hello, hello. And, uh, we don't mind lurking. I do that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. So anyway, so, oh, but don't forget guys, we will be here, uh, tonight also for Mr. C in the dark. So if any of you guys are late night owls, I would encourage you all to stop on in. It'll be a fun time. Uh, Speak will definitely be joining us tonight um, for Mr. C in the dark. And then, of course, uh, I believe we have another confirmed uh, guest on the panel. Uh, hopefully, Aurelius Locke will be joining us as well. Um, but absolutely, absolutely, it should be a fun time. No telling what we'll get into. And then, actually, I'm trying to line up something for tomorrow night as well, because we do Mr. C in the Dark on Fridays and Saturdays at midnight. Uh, let's see here. Let me let me open up my uh, a channel of communications here and see what's up. Okay. Aww. Okay, so we'll see what's up. We'll see what's up for that. Let me see what else. We will see what is up. Just let me know. All right, you only get one chance. <laughs> Anyways, okay. All right, okay, all right, okay. All right, sounds good. Hey, we'll see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. You never know. You never know when you're on the go. Okay, let's see what else we had yesterday. Oh, yeah, so as I was saying, yesterday in yesterday's chat, we were kind of all over the place uh, before we got into the thick of business. And uh, Tam Grell, I thought this was kind of cool. Tam Grell was talking about uh, her brother-in-law actually having written for Marvel Comics. So I thought that was way cool. Uh, she went on to say that her brother-in-law's name is Roy Thomas. 
So I actually did go look up Roy Thomas because uh, I used to be uh, back in the day, back when I was a kid and a teenager, um, I used to uh, be a big comic book collector. And uh, I don't I don't doubt that I actually might still. Yes, might still have like I, I I sold off most of my comic book collection like 10 years ago or more. Uh, but um, I, I still did hold on to some of those books. And uh, I'm pretty sure, Tam Growl, that I have some of your brother-in-law's books. Like, I'm pretty sure. Uh, if he wrote for The Avengers and uh, some other some other titles, uh, The Man-Thing, uh, I'm pretty sure, Tam Growl, I have some of your brother-in-law's books. So that's kind of cool. Um, hey, Reggie V. Reggie 5 or Reggie V? Thank you so much for gifting a ship. I Oh, I appreciate that so much, sir or ma'am. I would say... Man, sir, <laughs> and also for the can, howdy, <laughs> welcome to the C report. Uh, I don't think I've seen you in the chats before, Reggie V, and I definitely appreciate the support. Uh, we're here Monday through Friday, normally doing a 7 30 p.m. show, but we're, we're a little early today, uh, because, um, well, um, you know, we'll, well, uh, got some uh, plans for this evening, so thank you all for, for popping in like uh, Pilled by the Rabbit and Texas Gal, um, the uh, ever-present sea offenders, but uh, I most definitely appreciate Reggie V. <laughs> oh, okay, so all right, guys. Um, hey, Skeeter Burke, how are you doing? I see you there, Skeeter Burke. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, why is your pill count all wonky? Oh, that I don't know. Is it wonky? <laughs> You, what is wonky? Willy wonky? No, just kidding. You got to tell me, Mosquito. <laughs> you got to tell me. But yes, uh, absolutely. Okay, so yeah, so like I was talking about with Tam Grau, uh, she has she has some famous writing. Like she's a, she has a famous writer in her family line and her family name. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's absolutely cool. I, I absolutely love that. Uh, and I might actually, I might know, I know his work. I actually know his work. So that's even better. Uh, Pilled by the Rabbit, looking up also in the house. Texas Gal said yesterday. Oh, and then for, oh, I should, I should remind you guys, not remind all of you guys, but just to let those of you know who are here with me daytime that I'm normally not here daytime on. Um, at the head of my shows, I always do a chat recap from the previous show. Um, and then, you know, that's just because, you know, as the show goes along, as I, I get into the report, I don't always have time to refer back to the chat. I try to, but sometimes I'm not successful at it. And so I will do a recap because, you know, it's a good previously on the C report. And then also uh, just, you know, just to just to kind of shine a light on some of the ideas, thoughts, comments and perspectives of what's going on in the chat room. I, I get to like kind of like, you know, actually sit and reflect on what my chat's saying, whereas on the fly, you know, something might be misread or misunderstood. So um, anyways, it's for you guys because you guys are awesome. Hey, Vanguard 360. <laughs> that is most definitely cool. Well, Vanguard, welcome, welcome, welcome as Reggie V. And also, um, I, I read back on, um, I read back on, uh, was it not yesterday's chat, but the chat before, or was it yesterday's chat that uh, all the friends were helping you out uh, with the uh, pills.net foxhole and gold pill system? 
Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for that contribution, sir. It's most definitely appreciated. Um, and then let's see. And and just like that, Skeeter Burke's got to go back to work. <laughs> oh, Skeeter Burke, you know, I used to drive through to New Braunfels. I used to drive through New Braunfels all the time. You got like, there are so many of us here in Texas that are so close to each other. Like, I swear, if I were still mobile, uh, between San Antonio and Austin, I would probably be able to say hi with all of you guys or maybe even go out for dinner sometime. Who knows, guys? Maybe in the not-too-distant future, I'll find myself in a position that I can do that again. Um, I'm not, uh, what do you call it? I'm not beyond hope. You know what I mean? I have a lot of faith in, um, you know, my higher powers and myself. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe someday that will be the case again maybe someday soon. And uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, wonky. <laughs> That's similar to wabi-sabi. <laughs> That's Japanese for wonky. Oh, you're cute. <laughs> Thank you. And Reggie B coming in with a new handle. All right. That's so cool. All right. So we have like a room full of repeat offenders here is what it sounds like. And CJM61, I know I've seen you here before. It's just been a minute. Uh, it might just be because now I'm on early. Uh, I think the last time I saw you was maybe early. No, no. I think I saw you prior to that too. But anyhow. All right. Let's get back into yesterday's chat recap before the day goes long. Um, I heard a few interesting things happen at the D.C. today, uh, District of Columbia today. Mask protests and Republican Senate tried to visit the Patriot prisoners. Yes, so that's from Texas Gal. Yeah, that was the order of business yesterday. Um, and that was involving, uh, I mean, basically they're, they're facing like what? A $200 fine that's taken from their check every day, which is also illegal uh, for them to do that if they don't wear a mask into the District of Columbia, you know, the Capitol. And then also uh, there was a uh, there was a few I think it was a handful a handful of uh, senators that tried to go check on the patriots who are being held um, and uh, those individuals were locked out I think they had an entire press conference if I'm not mistaken about it um, I, I did not uh, <laughs> I did yeah CMJ I thought I th I know I've seen you in recently anyways but I did not. Uh, Nah. Uh, there's only, uh, sorry, there's only, uh, um, what do you call it? There was a handful of them. They were locked out. They had a press conference uh, in regards to that. I haven't covered that, uh, but perhaps I will. I mean, that stuff gets so much coverage everywhere else. You guys pretty much know what's going on uh, because the daily battles and fights and royal rumbles between uh, our Republicans and stuff is something that a lot of our friends touch on. So I'm all good with that. Um, but you know, uh, in that regard though, that's not to say that we wouldn't cover if something really uh, particular happened. Uh, Skeeter Burke, Burke asks, oh, she says locals pronounce the names correctly. There's only one S in New Braunfels. Alex Meisner. My, my, <laughs> well, is it New Braunfels or New Braunfels? <laughs> Sorry, Skeeter. Oh, I can't believe, ma'am. I used to, like, drive by New Braunfels all the time from Austin to San Antonio. Um, you're not the only one in the New Braunfels area, though. Um, uh, there's another friend, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Uh, but Skeeter Burke asks, are you coming up to New Braunfels 
for Worst Fest, first week in November. You know, Cedarburg, I've never been to a Worst Fest, but now that the state is opened again, I would love to go down to Worst Fest. I would love to get me one of those big German steins of beer and like some really good, like, bratwurst. <laughs> I've never been. I, I mean, one time I almost went. One time I almost went with some friends, but the plans just didn't work out. Um, I think that would be real fun, though. I think that would be very much the fun. Mike Snur, you were correct. Mike Snur, yeah. <laughs> I thought so. Uh, <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, let's see. <laughs> That's awesome. Um uh dolphin 72 was in the house derailing also i have i have half an avocado with my omelet every morning that sounds delicious robert crabtree a brand new name to the house uh welcome robert crabtree into the sea chats connie ketchup oh mr c you gave me just the best news you know how many times they tried to force that cholesterol medicine on me i wouldn't take it and indeed um Derailing replied to that. My doctor asks why I didn't take cholesterol drugs. I said because the brain is 90% cholesterol. Yes. Yes. I've always, I've always, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've always thought, I'm not laughing at the cholesterol, guys. I'm laughing at Pilled by the Rabbit's comment. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Uh, yes. The cholesterol thing, like as soon as I, I understood that it, it, it takes cholesterol out of your body, I kind of thought that it would, you know, probably eat your brain out too, zombie style. Um, now, Pill by the Rabbit was wondering if I would be wearing Lederhosen. <laughs> I don't have my Mr. C brand of Lederhosen yet. Sorry. Yes. Okay, Skeeter Burke. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I would love to go. I would love to go to Worst Fest. Um, I've never been. I've been a Texan all my life. I'm like, what, about fifth generation, and I've never been to a Worst Fest in my life. Told all about it. I know you got to get your, like, little, like, armband, bracelet things and all that stuff. Um, we'll see what's up. November's, uh, November's not too far away, but it's also not so close. So maybe I, can, maybe I can work something out. Maybe I can get with some old friends and be like, hey, let's go to Worst Fest. Let's go have some... Uh, Let's go have some fun in your Braunfels <laughs> and, uh, you know, live it up a little bit, live it up a little bit. All right. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got from yesterday's chat recap? Oh, Texas gal says I'll be waving to the both of you from Brat Bastrop County. I think she's, uh, she's talking about me and the speak. Um, yeah, Bastrop County. Um, uh, I used to go to Bastrop. I actually, uh, so, so for those of you, since we have plenty of Texas people in the house, uh, you guys will know what I'm talking about. Um, um, I used to be an operations manager for HEB, right? HEB, you guys know and love them. So I actually worked in Bastrop a few times, uh, as a, as a floor manager and also as an operations and so I, I went to work at the Bastrop. I mean, I was actually there when the, the, the uh, Bastrop HEB caught on fire. I mean, I wasn't there physically, but after the cleanup, with all the cleanup and then helping out and the rebuild and all that, uh, when Bastrop HEB caught on fire, uh, yeah, I was there doing all of that with them, helping out the community, just doing what I could. You know, we went over there and we, uh, we uh, supported what we were doing. Uh, <laughs> 
so uh, sorry, I'm not laughing at the fire in Bastrop County. I'm laughing at Tam Growl's message. Okay, so anyways, um, uh, but yeah, so uh, I, I, you know, Bastrop's a quaint little town. I actually have some friends that live out there. Uh, what is the name of that one barbecue place right off the highway? It's not like Bar S. It's like the S something or other. I've eaten there a few times. Uh, it's a very nice place. Very nice place. So Tam Growl says, see, I never know when you're going to appear. <laughs> hey, Tam. Uh, okay, so I don't know. How do we fix that? <laughs> how do we fix that? Um, I think I'm pilled. Or, or if you hit the bell, I'm so bad for not knowing this and being a content creator, right? I should be able to tell you guys this. Don't tell methods. He'll send me to the woodshed. Like, I <laughs> I mean, I think if you hit the bell, it, it like notifies you either when I'm going live or when I have uh, scheduled a show. Um, but yes, Tam Growl, I was just talking about you and your brother-in-law, Roy Thomas. Um, I was telling everybody, uh, all right, all right, Skeeter Burke, get back to work. We won't hold you up, okay? Uh, willpower, girl, have some willpower. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, but as I was saying, uh, Tam Growl, I was telling everyone uh, that I know his work. I know his work, and um, I used to I used to be a huge comic book collector for Marvel, and then I don't know a few years back I sold it off, but I kept a, I kept the, the things I kept the books that I liked, and uh, and that that would include probably some of your brother in law's work uh, from the Avengers and Man Thing and a couple of, like I know I know his work like I don't I don't know if I have I'm pretty sure I have I'm pretty sure I have some of his books. Still, because I like I said, I sold most of his my stuff off, but a lot of uh, I looked him up and I was like, oh, wow. I was like, I think I have that one and I have that one. So that's kind of cool. Yes, that's very cool. Um, oh, oh, seriously, Tam Growl. Um, OK, uh, if I if I mail you some of his books, can you have him sign them for me? Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> I have, I'm pretty sure I still have some of his books in my collection because uh, like the Avengers and stuff like that, I kept, I never watched the movies. I'm a purist. Uh, I saw like one of them, uh, but, but the, I mean, yeah, I still had the stories anyways. Wow. That's so exciting. That's a small world right there, <laughs> but yes, uh, hit the bell at uh, pill.net and at the foxhole and you may also get notifications of when I'm going live. Um, I think I scheduled today's episode sometime this morning uh, before I rolled out of bed. Uh, but yes. Uh, <laughs> so that was a fun time. That was a good time. And then um, let me think also, uh, what else is up with that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, also, guys, I think also if you're on pill.net, just look me up, Mr. C. And then like follow. If you follow me on, on pill.net, I think you get some sort of notifications from that also. Uh, so that's also a good way to go in case you don't know. But I mean, all of us, a lot of us are here on uh, pill.net. So you probably guys do know. Okay. Yes, that was way. Well, you know, it doesn't seem like that was so long ago to me, ta Texas gal, talking about Bastrop burning down. Uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess it was. Uh, but, you know, I just, I left Austin uh, about a year ago. A year ago, actually, this month, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, uh, like, I landed in San Antonio 
but yeah, so anyways, Staten's attack cartilage, hence the pain. Skeeterberg says, my brother has a fabulous pair of lederhosen he bought on Germany. <laughs> I don't know about that lederhosen. Anyways, <laughs> Pilled by the Rabbit says, the cookie cleanup crew have been cleaning up the shed. Oh, man. I mean, I tried to eat as many of those cookies as I could. <laughs> and Tamgrel gets the notifications from her hubby's email. Excellent. Okay. So, all right. That's a pretty good solid start that we got going on there. Let's see. We'll finish up yesterday's chat recap. So, oh, we started talking about, uh, hey, looking up, how are you doing? Good afternoon. We started talking about the, um, uh, what was that thing called again? The Mandela effect. We'll probably be chatting about the Mandela effect tonight on Mr. C in the dark, just for the fun of it. Uh, I did go ahead and explore into uh, the Black Tom incident. I'd never heard of that one, but I find it very interesting. So we'll talk about that a little bit tonight. Um, and let's see here. What else do we have? Uh, oh, Pill by the Rabbit said uh, that Billy Graham has died several times, three times for him. Wowzers. Um, I, I, I only remember him dying once, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, it, it, that's a totally separate universe, right? Uh, Just V uh, gifted some shades. We had one, two, three SKG gifting some shades. Ohio Kimmy hanging out. Always in Texas said not wearing a mask is civil disobedience, but no one says anything about me not wearing a bra. <laughs> well, I don't know if that would be considered civil disobedience nowadays, though. That's the thing. Skeeterberg gifted a cookie. Uh, oh, it was a Nick. <laughs> the nick comment thank you skeeter mitradate was hanging out just be i'm lucky to have a constitutional sheriff during what few riots we had here he posted snipers on the tops of buildings dang that's taking care of business right there nick walls in the house pilled by the rabbit saying needs to visit east ranch for a few days oh yeah so we can play and seek uh hide and seek with my big hairy friend um yeah i remember when you said that mr uh mr pilled by the rabbit about going to East City. Now, you know, I, I am not against going to something like that. I've never done uh, any type of like um, uh, a woo type of visit, like, you know, Loch Ness or East or like Joshua Tree or anything like that. I would love to go participate in something like that. And by participate, I don't mean like speak or anything like that. I don't have anything to say. Actually, I have a lot to say, but like um, I, I would love to go experience what that kind of environment is like. Now, uh, uh, I did say uh, last night in regards to your big hairy friend, if you were talking about uh, if you're talking about the six foot rabbit. Right. What was the six foot rabbit's name again? Harry, the six foot rabbit. Or if you're talking about Bigfoot, uh, that would be interesting. Uh, Skeeterberg had a really funny joke yesterday. She was coming in with the jokes uh she said so she went she she said she said she got arrested for stealing 23 cans of beer but the judge threw it out because it didn't make a case <laughs> that tickled my funny bone just so you know skeeter uh christina fontana wow anyone follow worldwide demonstrations on telegram so many all over the world awesome to see no christina fontana um i had not heard of this that's actually good information there in case anyone's ever looking for like um uh, you know, like videos of like the demonstrations going on around the world, especially because, like I said, at the onset of today's um, today's show that uh, with all of the uh, censorship that's flying around America, you know, it's worse 
uh, around the world. And then by the time it gets to our shores, the people censoring censor it even more. So yeah, uh, Harvey, it's Harvey the rabbit, not Harry. Thank you, CJM. You don't yeah, totally. Uh, you totally distracted me there. Harvey, the six foot rabbit, the invisible one, right? Is that the one you're talking about pilled by the rabbit? Anyways. Uh, uh, so as I was saying, um, yeah, it's good to know. Uh, it's good to know. Cause like I said, by the time it gets here to the shores of America, everything is censored thrice over three times over. Uh, Skeeter Burke at front, uh, Christina Fontana. I kept praying that Antifa would not pull off a false flag at one of those demonstrations. And I think that's probably the thing that we have to be uh, most, um, we have to be most, uh, not worried about, but most, uh, um, uh, awareful, wearful about like being aware, uh, because, you know, anytime like right now, and you know, I'm not the kind of person that likes to, uh, instill the fear into people. Um, but, um, any, uh, like, especially now post Trump and even during Trump, like, um, false flag is the order of the day. Like I genuinely feel like we are still in false flag season. I don't think it ever ended to be quite honest with you guys. Uh, because that's the only recourse that a lot of these people have now, at least that's the way it seems that that's the only recourse that they have. Um, in regards to uh, trying to foible anything that's moving forward. And I think it's just very encouraging for a fact that we're able to still move forward regardless of the fact that, you know, um, uh, a President Trump and his administration, or at least someone who's outwardly America first, is in office. And we're still moving forward, guys. It's it's almost like the people of America have the ire of Donald Trump and his administration by continuing to do the things that they're doing, uh, you know, by continuing to push for like all of these audits, these recalls, uh, push against any of these ridiculous legislative pieces that they're trying to move forward in uh, the Capitol. And then also in the media, you know, because the media is getting their comeuppance also. When we're talking about individuals uh, like, you know, the content creators out there like on Foxhole and the independent media and the independent journals, you know, not just the content creators on, you know, live streams, but also in print and online. The ones that are still doing it out there. Hey, just V, how you doing? I see I see you popping up into the chat room. Hope you're doing good this afternoon. Um, let's see what else we got here. Harvey is a puka, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I'll have to go rewatch that. I remember being scared of Harvey the Six Foot Invisible Rabbit when I was a kid. Uh, but yeah, Lights on the Mountain, very different Mount Adams. I'll have to go check that out sometimes. You know, an egg and an onion sandwich sounds good. Anyways, I haven't had dinner or lunch or breakfast today. I'm saving my appetite for tonight's dinner. Okay. <clears throat> uh, let's see what else we got here in yesterday's chat. Uh, always in Texas, if the thing about people dying from the shot happens, I'm going to lose half the people in my house. That's scary. It's uh, not scary like, ooh, uh, hide in fear, but, you know, just that that could be a possibility. Xeno was hanging out. iRobot gifted a cookie. Empress Beach G was hanging out. Casual Gigi was here. Always in Texas says, when I was little, I was scared of cannibals. That's an interesting to be interesting to be scared of uh, because who could you trust? If you're scared of a cannibal, it's like your fellow human man, right? Ohio Kimmy gifting a cookie. And then Skeeterberg says, I was scared of cockroaches. Okay, Skeeterberg. <laughs> 
you probably got them white trees over in your neck of the woods. Um, yes, uh, cockroaches used to terrify me when I was younger. I could tell you guys some very interesting cockroach stories from when I was growing up. Um, I don't, I'm not afraid of them anymore, but the ones that fly, okay, the water bugs, the ones that fly, I mean, come on, like, I'll, I'll share, I'll, I'll impart this story with you real quick. Um, I'll never forget growing up, uh, it was probably like, I was like an adolescent preteen and, uh, it was time to go to church, you know, <laughs> and, uh, my my brother, I'm a twin, my twin brother, he did not want to get up to go to church. You know, he was like, nah, I'm going to stay in bed. <laughs> well, you know what happens? A water bug freaking flies and lands on his face. <laughs> Talk about the fly on the head a la Pence. <laughs> he got a freaking water bug on his face. That thing got him up quicker than anything else. And he got dressed and went to church. <laughs> Oh, but Skeeterberg is now also afraid of the demons from Jacob's Ladder. You know, again, Skeeterberg, Jacob's Ladder, the first time I saw that movie, scared the heck out of me. Uh, I don't think I'd seen a movie like that. Um, and I actually, I still, I own it, actually, but I haven't seen it in a while. Maybe I should go watch it again sometime. Um, but I just understood that as like a crazy psychedelic film. You know what I mean? Uh, Aurelius Locke was in the house as well. The blues are here. The blues are here and they give bad names to Smurfs. I could tell you guys a horror story about Smurfs. Also, we're talking about sitting around the campfire kind of horror story guys like, Ooh, Lordy. Okay. Speaking as he was hanging out, he just got news from his work. Vax required. Oh no, that's terrible. That'll be a topic for conversation tonight. I'm sure. I hope. Well, we'll see what happens. Prayers for the Mr. Speak Uneasy. Skeeterberg, it's very encouraging to know that the whole world is behind the audit too. I feel their vibes. Exactly. Just like I was saying about the international um, uh, great awakening. It's not just in America. It's everywhere. Um, let's see. AP9889 was hanging out. Nick Walls said, Nick Walls affirmed, I did vote, Mr. C, and I believe the pen I used, uh, I used a pen. So that's good. That's very good. <laughs> what on earth are African knickknacks? Pilled by the rabbit? <laughs> oh, Twilight Zone and a small little African doll. Okay, I thought you meant like that was what I was like, is that what African Ameri is that what Africans call cockroaches? Knickknacks. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. That's going to wrap it up for yesterday's chat recap. There was more. Uh, I apologize. I didn't get to get through all of it. Um, uh, cause early show, <laughs> early show and, and to everyone else who donated gold pills. Thank you very much yesterday for your support. Uh, we had a pretty fun show yesterday. We had a pretty fun show. You know, we went over the same old things. Um, hey, Connie Ketchup, how you doing? <laughs> Connie, don't you worry about it. We already <laughs> we already moved through yesterday's chat. Actually, there was some more. There was some more chats that I had not been able to get through. But I mean, uh, uh, from what I gather, we already got past all of that. So I love you, Connie. Don't you worry about anything, ma'am. <laughs> I love all you guys. I appreciate you all for hanging out with me and 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 being here. Uh, your energy, yourself, your spirit, your body, your soul, however you want to put it. Um, it's, it's great to have you all along for the ride. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. <laughs> 
to talk of many things, from ships and strings and sealing wax to, uh, I was going to say cannibals and kings. Anyway, <laughs> that's not the line. Okay, anyway, someone someone correct me. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and get into this. All right, President Trump leads here at the Sea Report as always. Now, this is an international show today. That's right, guys, we're doing an international show. But we will still do our customary and traditional uh, President Trump statements for the afternoon. Oh, looks like we have some uh, hanging out. Uh, ah, defang boy, I don't care about buying people. That's I'm not into uh, uh, defang over in Twitch wants to know if I want to buy people. Defang, I am not into human trafficking. Thank you very much. You may exit from my chat room. Okay. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, President Trump states, the rhinos in the Senate are delivering a big win by caving to the radical Democrats on infrastructure. Once they pass this bill out of the Senate, it will sit in the House until they get steamrolled by the biggest government expansion in a generation. Has it only been a generation? Well, that's good to know, right? Uh, tax increases on everyone, government-run health care, more government-run schools, amnesty for illegal immigrants, masks, and many more terrible socialist programs. Nancy Pelosi has said no infrastructure until they get everything else. Infrastructure is just a carrot for a massive socialist expansion. Why are rhinos so desperate to push back? to push bad radical leftist policies and at the same time give a big win to the Democrats. They will be forced to give up some of the incredible tax cuts gotten during the Trump administration, one of its many hallmarks. This is bad legisla legislation and political irresponsibility. The Democrats will use it to show they can get anything they want from the Republicans. Okay, so I see what's going on here. The Democrats are going to turn the Republicans into their own personal Bernie Sanders. Not bueno, not bueno whatsoever. And I guess we'll see what has to happen. Now, we haven't covered the infrastructure bill here at the Sea Report. Um, I mean, because just what it just it is just what it is. It's a big old communist socialist green part, green, not green party, but green New Deal rollout has nothing to do with infrastructure, has everything to do with brainwashing people and investing in things that are all about what? Uh, um, uh, Reteaching people, you know, like, uh, and, and it has nothing to do with infrastructure. I don't see anything in there about roads and and streets and, and you know, uh, bridges and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, and, and now we're just going to see uh, basically, um, twas brillig. <laughs> Skeeter. Okay. Sorry. Okay. That's why I can't do chat. Okay. Because <laughs> I get totally distracted. Yes. That was a, <laughs> that was, uh, that was an Alice in Wonderland uh, reference. Okay. So, <laughs> and the mom rats out gray. Okay. So, all right. Getting back to this, uh, getting back to this, um, uh, we're we're going to see uh, the Democrats turn the Republicans into their very own personal Bernie Sanders, right? And they're going to bend them over and just take advantage of America that way. And you know what? Something tells me that the rhinos are going to enjoy it. Uh, they're doing exactly what they are meant to do um, and just be, you know, Republicans in uh, name only. All right. Uh, the next, uh, the next uh, statement we have here from President Trump. 
Voters in the great state of Wyoming want clear majority winners in elections. And the only mechanism that accomplishes that majority, uh, majority victors is a runoff election, pitting the top two candidates against each other. Conservative Republicans in the Wyoming state legislature, like Senator Bo Biteman and Representative Chip Neiman, led this effort. Unfortunately and sadly for Wyoming voters, Rhino state legislators stood in the way, defeating the runoff elections bill. The easiest way to defeat deplorable Liz Cheney is by having only one conservative candidate run and win. Wyoming patriots will no longer stand for Nancy Pelosi and her new lapdog rhino, Liz Cheney. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we have President Trump um, and he is absolutely pushing the one candidate um, um, uh, idea. You know, we cannot have thousands of America First patriots running against each other. We need one to secure it and one to get in. So I'm hoping that all of the politicians and all of the future candidates out there are paying attention to that and that they realize that indeed that's exactly the strategy that we need to employ moving forward. Okay, let me go ahead and cut that guy out there. And we are still here, guys. All right, cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that does that. It's time to get into some international news. Now, I will make every attempt to bring you guys a little bit of news from across the pond and across the border at least once a week here on the Sea Report. Uh, we do have a lot of things that come up, of course, uh, it, you know, that uh, may take some um prevalence over that but otherwise uh well let's just see how it goes you guys can tell me how you guys feel about it at the end of the show today um or even during if you'd like but we will start directly with our neighbors to the south now as i mentioned guys at the start of today's show um i was talking about how and i've, I've kind of said this throughout exactly how it is hard for us to really get the truth in regards to what is happening across the pond or across the border internationally because of all of the censorship that takes place. Now, you can go ahead and turn to your your trusted national headlines from any of your trusted independent media sources, but even then you won't always get the story. You do have to do a little bit of digging, but also you have to consider how some of these countries censor their journalism and control it and, you know, propagate it, propaganda, propagate, haha, but make, you know, they have their own forms of propaganda. So it gets a little bit even tougher still, especially in a post-Trump administ uh, administration world. We're looking at countries that are really just going for it in regards to, you know, taking over and being authoritarian and stuff like that. So it gets a little bit harder, you know, but to, uh, to be sure, uh, we do have some stories on Mexico and like this one today goes exactly to what I'm speaking about. Now, uh, looking into Mexico and some stories I could share with you guys earlier on, like it was very interesting to note that all of the stories that I was finding were journals that were trashing Mexico and, and calling him, uh, you know, like a dictator you know, uh, and, and just, it wasn't exactly what uh, my understanding is of what's going on in Mexico right now. Last I heard, 
President Obrador, otherwise known as President AMLO, um, uh, which is Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Like he was, uh, he was a Trump supporter and he was also on board with a lot of the same, um, uh, conservative ideas that come from, you know, um, um, you know, conservative values. Like he was trying to straighten up Mexico. He was trying to crack down on crime and the cartels. Uh, he was trying to get rid of, um, United States funded any NGOs that were just undermining his um, administration and stuff like that. And that's a lot of what I was finding. In fact, I even found articles of uh, journals that were comparing Obrador to terrorists from the Middle East, which is absolutely ridiculous, uh, considering uh, some of the moves that he was making in order to help his people and his country, you know. So anyhow, it's all part of the propaganda. It gets a little mixed in the quagmire. But for a fact, what we do have going on in Mexico right now is that Mexico is a very dangerous place for uh, individuals such as journalists and activists to live. Now, there have been over 100 journalists and activists who have been killed in the country of Mexico since the end of 2018, guys. So that puts us at like what? two years and change that we've seen over a hundred journalists and activists who have been murdered, killed in the country of Mexico. Uh, uh, and basically because of their wanting to either fight the establishment, the cartels, um, either the establishment politicians or the establishment cartels. Cause again, what we're going to see here is um, varying types of mirrors to our own government. If you think about what we have going on in the United States of America, if you think about how we have a deep state and we have uh, an establishment uh, um, like a deep state uh, politicians, same thing, of course, in other countries. And we're going to kind of explore that a little bit today as we move along. And that's actually kind of going to be the point that I'd like to, that's really going to be where I'd like to pivot on the international news is sharing with the friends who's who out there in the international community, who are the allies of freedom and, and, um, and liberty and true democracy, who would be America first, uh, who are fans of the rule of law, and who are the enemies, who are the establishment, who are the international swamp creatures because after all even though america is you know that shining city on the hill is the uh you know the last bastion of freedom we have supposed allies that you know people like president trump individuals like president trump were exposing and showing us exactly who they were and what cards they played and who they were beholden to so that's kind of what i'd like to do as i present the international news is to kind of telegraph and put out there who are the players on the international stage that we as americans can lend our support to and can understand that we need to be on their side because again when we start talking about the international scene we're going to have a lot of people out there and a lot of propaganda that's just going to be messing it all up because we have this uh of course the six six-headed media hydra that controls all of the news and and uh uh um, the views out there in america they're going to be vetting all of the information that americans get to see but then also if we have corrupt administrations in other countries they're going to be uh censoring and propagandizing and vetting whatever information gets out so that's like it's like double or triple duty just to get a good story out on what's really happening around the world, okay? And then we have to fall back on some of the people here that we do know that understand what's going on. Uh, for example, Rudy Giuliani was the perfect example of exposing the truths that were happening over in um, in the Ukraine. Uh, but of course, that's only because he was also involved in trying to um, 
do investigations on the criminality of what was going on so he could speak to it. But at least he was that mouthpiece that gave us that window of understanding into what was happening in the country of Ukraine. Uh, pardon me. And then, of course, that got also blown up and was basically national news here in the United States because of the likes of Hunter Biden and the Biden uh, the Biden regime uh, that we were able to really kind of pick apart what was going on. But, you know, moving forward, it might get a little bit more, it might get a little bit more intricate, it might get a little bit more intense, but we will hang with it and I will do the best I can to provide some insightful commentary onto what we're talking about. Uh, but before we get into uh, the uh, some of the story that's going on with Mexico, there is a video I would like to share with you guys. Uh, now, this video uh, talks about, now let me go ahead and pop this guy over here. Uh, this video talks about um, the murders in that are going on in Mexico and what journalists and activists are facing. So I thought that would be a pretty good place to start as we launch into a little bit about uh, Mexico and what's going on over there. <laughs> Okay, before we get that little video going on into Mexico, I want to get you guys the full screen. So let me go ahead and take care of that real quick. So this way it's not a little tiny corner thing. All right, there we go. Okay, so that's going to happen there. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get that back up for you all right now. Lucina Parra is a reporter in Mexico, one of the most dangerous countries for journalists in the world. She's one of the few reporters left in Los Mochis, in the state of Sinaloa, where El Chapo's drug cartel reigns supreme. Death threats are part of her daily life. They can kill you anytime, whether you have a bodyguard or not. But Para refuses to be intimidated and continues her work undaunted. Drusina Paz on the way to a remote district away from Los Machis. She has a meeting with women who've been searching for their missing children for years. ¿Qué pasó? Hey. Sorry, folks. I don't know what's going on here. Video just stopped playing. Let me see if I can get that back up for you guys. Hold on. And children for years. All right, this video played earlier. Dulcina Parra's on the way to a remote district away from Los Machis. She has a meeting with women who've been searching for their missing children for years. It seems like it wants to buffer. Now it's become a search for bodies. There are so many. We're going to get them all. It's full. Seriously? I think we'll stay here tonight. Three skeletons. And apparently a big grave. Oh, the stench. Is this a body? This one is decomposing still. 
It hasn't been long. It's about to burst. Really? I'm going to broadcast this live. Hello, we're in Juan Jose Rios with the searchers of El Fuerte. They've been here since sunrise. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. It seems like this video wants to buffer. But why? We have such good internet here. Okay, just a moment. Cripes, cripes, cripes. This thing was playing pretty smooth earlier on today. You see, the cartels don't want you to know. Okay, hold on. Oh, now there's an error on the video. Okay. All right, let me do some back work here real quick, guys. I really want you guys to see this, so... Let's see here. Okay. Oh, no, no it's not the one. Hang on tight. I got it. I got it. I got the video. Just give me a second and I'll pull it up for you. Hang on tight, ladies and gentlemen. Hang on tight. Okay. All right. Here we go. Lucina Parra is a reporter in Mexico, one of the most dangerous countries for journalists in the world. She's one of the few reporters left in Los Machis, in the state of Sinaloa, where El Chapo's drug cartel reigns supreme. Death threats are part of her daily life. They can kill you anytime, whether you have a bodyguard or not. But Para refuses to be intimidated and continues her work undaunted. Dulcina Para is on the way to a remote district away from Los Machis. She has a meeting with women who have been searching for their missing children for years. Now it's become a search for bodies. There are so many. We're going to get them all. It's full. Seriously? I think we'll stay here tonight. Three skeletons. And apparently a big grave. Oh, the stench. Is this a body? This one is decomposing still. It hasn't been long. It's about to burst. Really? I'm going to broadcast this live. 
¿Qué tal? Muy buenos días. Nos encontramos. Hello, we're in Juan José Ríos with the searchers of El Fuerte. They've been here since sunrise. They were told there might be some secret graves here. They've discovered one. These women's loved ones have disappeared. Here we can see the bones. There are bones here. The women have already dug up several graves. Four bodies, one is still decomposing, the others are skeletons. It looks like a secret graveyard, doesn't it? Yes, it does. If it's a secret graveyard, those who buried the people here might come back. They should send some security, please. We're scared. Mena Medina is leading the group. Some of these women have been looking for their sons for years. Many were killed by members of the Sinaloa drug cartel and buried in unknown places. Over half of those who have disappeared, the desaparecidos, are thought to have been connected to the drug scene. Dorsina says that this is often the case because of the poor job prospects in the region. Mirna and the others often dig into the areas controlled by the drug cartel and so make them their enemies. They told us we should stop searching, otherwise the same will happen to us. One day someone will find us in a grave. Just to feel a little safer, Mirna has now a personal bodyguard, an ex-soldier, who is armed and never takes his eyes off her. The search continues. This is a body part that we found in one of the graves. There is the ulna, the radius and the hand. Individual body parts, bones with skin and clothing remnants come to light. The smell of decay is almost unbearable for the journalists. And for the mothers, what's unbearable is the uncertainty. Is this their child this time? I'm glad, and yet at the same time, I'm sad because I don't know if it's my son or hers. In the end, it doesn't matter whose son it is. We're searching for them because we love them. It feels like my heart is going to jump out. My body is shaking. My ears are shut. Will you carry on? I'm not going anywhere. If it's possible to stay here, I will. Are you scared? No. No, I'm not scared. They've already done their worst. What can they do to me now? You're a good friend. I want to find him finally. I'm waiting and waiting. Every day I wait. Hours later, the municipal police has turned up, and yet Osina says that corrupt police officers are involved in the abductions ordered by the cartel. The police do not deny this. If one of us is bent, that's his problem. But we are not bent. There are officially over 40,000 people missing in Mexico, but there are probably more. Mirna and the other mothers have found almost 500 of them dead. Nine on this day alone, and the police finds even more. Some have been dead, not even for two weeks. 
there's still also a lot left for Jacina to do. Jocina takes a different route to work every day, just one of her many safety precautions. If I go to work like somewhere that somebody was killed, I try to go with a colleague from a different medium to protect myself. Hola. Nova Radio is just one of the broadcasters that Dosina works for. She has known Javier Mercado for a long time. As journalists here in the state of Sinaloa, they are also sufferers. Is there freedom of speech here? A form of 30% perhaps. That's the state of our country. Before, they used to say, don't cross the drug cartels, the military, or the church. Now, don't cross the politicians. Now, don't cross the politicians because they're the thieves and the police at the same time. Today, our program's ratings will go up. Today, our guest is the woman who knows most about the security situation in Sinaloa, or rather the lack of it. Yes, I think so too. Hello, thank you for listening. And we'll start off with the big story of the week. Let me tell you that over the weekend, Juan José Rios was transformed into a gigantic graveyard. Fifteen bodies were found. The bodies were brought to the morgue in Los Mochis for all those who have missing loved ones. Josina follows up on the searching mothers regularly despite the fact that she has received many open threats. I remember once there was a funeral wreath with my name on it in front of my door. You don't forget something like that. It was a form of intimidation, as if to say, you find bodies, you find dead people, here you are, your funeral wreath. The threat almost became reality about 10 years ago. Cartel members accused her of spying for another cartel for working for the government, so the cartel abducted her. My life was in danger. I knew they'd either kill me or let me go, but I had already seen all the faces. So I thought they would kill me. One of them said it was time and made this gesture. Another one asked me if I had a last wish. I said, God bless you. You're turning my daughters into orphans. Let God light your path and let you be well. He looked at me and said, nobody had ever said anything like that to him. He told me they usually say, let me go and I'll give you money, cars, land. At that moment, he put his hand on me. On my leg. And said, you're not going today. She's okay, boss. This is the road where they let her go. Look straight ahead, they told her. Look back once and you're dead. I walked straight on. I prayed to God for my daughters and my family. In that moment, I realized I was doing the only thing. 
The only thing possible in Sinaloa, we have to fight for freedom of speech so that there is no corruption, no impunity. But it's hard. It's difficult. You always live with the risk. If you're on the cartel's list, they can kill you at any time. With or without a bodyguard. She only really understood how close it had been when a colleague of hers was kidnapped just a few days later. She knew him and had researched the drug scene with him as well. Two weeks later, his body was found in black plastic bags. Hello, it's me. How are you? Very well. Dulcina often visits her sister Laura, who looks after her youngest daughter, Joseline, when Dulcina has a long day. She's always been very committed to her work from the start. What was it like for me? Like her children's mother. She's missed many important moments in her daughter's lives. I'm sad that she's not here most of the time. I'm sad because I know that something can happen to her. Because I know that she's not safe when she's working. She's always very strong. She doesn't always show her feelings so that we don't feel burdened. And I think that what she's doing is very good. I know they're always worried about me, but it's moving to hear it. I think her mother is an example for her. What has to be done, has to be done. A hundred percent and a bit extra on top. She's always given a hundred percent and a hundred percent extra. Okay, y'all. That's just a little bit of what we call perspective. <laughs> so that's a that's a pretty crazy story there. I think anyone would agree with that. I saw, saw some of you guys in the chat. Yeah, uh, very brave woman indeed. I used to go love going to Mexico also as well. Uh, I used to go down to uh, another another uh, well close to another cartel state. Uh, she was over in Sinaloa. Um, uh, I had friends that lived down in uh, Michoacan, which is, it's, a, it's another drug state, but uh, uh, Guerrero, Guerrero, uh, that, one's, uh, that one's a cartel state, and that was a neighboring to that. And uh, I went there um, several times. Uh, it's about 17 hours into the border. And uh, we stopped going around 05 because uh, there were decapitated heads appearing in the plaza. So it was no longer safe. But I used to love going to Mexico also. But now, now, so that's just some of what's going on. Something to share with you guys about. 
the state of affairs in Mexico. I mean, it's still being uh, run by the cartels. Like they said, it used to be the cartels, the military, and the church. If you cross the cartels, the military, or the church, you could wind up in a field somewhere, much like we witnessed here in this uh, short documentary. But now, now it's also the politicians. So if you mess with the politicians, the military, the cartels, or the church, you could wind up in a very bad situation, which is very shameful, very shameful indeed. But you notice they didn't say anything about uh, if you cross President Obrador, right? Because there's very particular uh, politicians that they're talking about in that regard. Now, also here, uh, getting back into like this danger for the reporters, what they had found between late 2018 up until 2020 uh, that they had found uh, 43 journalists who'd been murdered, as well as 68 human rights activists. So they had over 100 there going on, and that's since uh, late 2018. What the government of Mexico is doing to protect these individuals, well, they actually have something called a journalist's, uh, a journalist's, um, uh, wit a journalist's protection program which is very interesting. Like that is the threat. The first amendment Mexico style is facing in their country that they have to have a journalist's protection program where they actually uh, uh, hide them and, you know, take them to other locations. If they're on any of these said lists where people will be hunted down and murdered for expressing the truth through journalism and telling people what's going on. The Mexican government currently has 1,478 people throughout their country who are in this journalist or this security and protection program to keep them safe from said cartel, government, politician, military, or church who's coming after them. According to the government, the protection program is a guarantee of human rights protection organized by the Mexican state to safeguard the lives, integrity, freedom, and security for those, of, for those who practice journalism, protect human rights, and freedom of expression. Freedom of expression, right? This is coming, this is becoming a thought criminal kind of thing too, it sounds like also. Um, now it says here also that the government said it increased the amount of people under the protection program uh, by 80% since December 2018. And said it has also provided 783 million pesos, which is equivalent to 39, $39.5 million dollars. Uh, to the program between 2019 and 2020, while this year it is expanding its funds by 416.6 million pesos. Sorry, guys, I don't got the uh, I don't got the uh, dollar amount on that, but I would expect it's around half of 39. So probably what another uh, 20 20 million uh, American dollars, or you know, four 416 peso, million pesos. Uh, to assist with that program. Uh, President Obrador, that's the man there. Uh, President Obrador, he's also known as President AMLO because his name is uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. I like AMLO better than I like J-Lo. What can I say? Right? Uh, I don't like J-Lo at all, actually. But Mexican person uh, uh, AMLO said that the government is working every day to save lives as part of the desire for justice and protection for the Mexican lives. Drug cartels, corrupt officials, and business people are believed to be the main suspects 
for having ordered and carried out the killing. So business people and uh, corrupt officials are the ones that are calling these hits on journalists and the like. Um, for those people who are against President Obrador, um, uh, such as uh, there's this uh, Human Rights Watch, which is an NGO in Mexico that says that uh, President Obrador is a uh, dictator. And he says that uh, uh, President Obrador disqualifies the reports of the activists killed as propaganda, but assures us his government is protecting them. So uh, I don't know what the speak on that is, but I do know that President Obrador recently and not maybe not so recently, but within the last few months uh, had called on the United States of America to clarify which non-governmental organizations in his country were being funded by the United States because they're finding a whole bunch of non-government organizations, that's NGOs in Mexico, who are fighting and um, fighting against his uh, administration, who are um, also doing everything they can to undermine it. Uh, and these are these are not Mexican or uh, Mexican uh Mexican national non-governmental organizations. These are organizations that are coming from America. And he wanted a clarification on who or which of those were being funded by the United States government. Because if you have an NGO being uh, funded by the United States government and they're undermining another nation's administration or president, there's some issues there. And uh, that could just go back to speak about how Certain three-letter agencies have uh, basically corrupted and uh, poisoned other nations' um, government uh, structures and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's why we're, we're kind of talking about some of this stuff, guys. But uh, let's go ahead and hop over to the country of Brazil. Now, this one will be a little bit more in-depth than what we talked about with uh, Mexico, because here we have in the country of Brazil, we have an administration that is conservative uh, that uh, for for perspective, uh, uh, the administration of Brazil currently also was Trump uh, Trump supporting. Like they were they were allies of President Trump. So you know that's another one to put down in your little book. You know of of um, um, international presidents and world leaders who were for the rights of the people, who were for limited government, who are basically America first, Brazil first, right? Like they're they're conservative speaking. They're they're um, most definitely on the side of the people and not on the side of the globalist, anti-globalist is what we could say. So that's what we're seeing in Brazil. Now, uh, the whole big whoop that's coming out of Brazil right now is, of course, we have the president uh, who was a Trump supporter um, and also is also conservative. He has a lot of conservative values that he's trying to bring back into Brazil. Now, if you, if you want to compare like a country like Brazil to Mexico, like talk about corrupt, right? Like, and we're going into South America now. Uh, we don't talk about, we don't hear too much about what's going on in South America or what they're doing, but for a fact, uh, the man that you see on your screen now, his name is Eduardo Bolsonaro. Okay. Now, Eduardo Bolsonaro is the son of the Brazilian uh, uh, president. His name is uh, Jair Bolsonaro. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Jair or Jair, if you're saying it like with the, but they're Portuguese over there. So I don't know. Jair, Jair Bolsonaro. Right. I guess that's how you would say it. Uh, but Eduardo Bolsonaro, he is the son, I said, of the president. And uh, he is also a federal delegate 
in the city of Sao Paulo, Brazil, and he's also a key figure of the worldwide conservative renaissance, right? So this individual here, Eduardo, the son of the president of Brazil, is a key figure in the worldwide conservative renaissance, another, another good guy, an anti-globalist, right? Okay, uh, he represents Steve Bannon's The Movement in South America, and he also met with President Donald Trump in the White House in 2018. So these, these are allies here that we're talking about now uh, in this, the country of Brazil. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, Eduardo Bolsonaro's father, the president of Brazil, um, Jair Bolsonaro, and I might be saying that wrong, so please do forgive me, uh, but uh, Jair Bolsonaro was a Trump supporter. Uh, he also declared that the 2020 election was a coup against President Trump. He was one of those international individuals who recognized, interesting enough, just like the state of Syria, uh, the country of Syria, recognized that the Biden regime is a junta that committed a coup against the United States and the American people. Uh, and of course, because of these viewpoints, uh, he's also referred to as a dictator and a far-right conspiracy theorist. This is the president of Brazil that we're talking about. Uh, this is how he's referred to by people from the left, progressives, communists, uh, because obviously if you are a conservative or if you side with President Trump, you are a right-wing dictator, and that is the way they're taking a fight against him, kind of similar to what they're doing to President Obrador over in Mexico. Now, Brazil's far-right president is how he's being referred to, um, uh, Jair Bozador. He, um, he actually has, uh, like, just to give you a kind of overview on what's going on right now with him, they have an election coming up for pre the presidential election coming up for Brazil next year in 2022. This man, he is, uh, he's, talking about, um, he's talking about election integrity in his country. It's going to be very interesting the way this mirrors what's going on in America, guys. Like what's happening here, it's happening over there too. But it's just on a different level. I mean, I think ours is a very accelerated level. Theirs may not be as accelerated as ours is. But just this past Thursday, that would be of last week, um, President uh, Bolsonaro, um, he called for the adoption of printed ballots for their next election. He said printed ballots that can be counted because he is alleged that it is necessary to have printed ballots in order to avoid fraud in the country's election because the voting system cannot always be trusted. So, uh, you know, and we know, guys, based on what we've heard about from uh, where the Dominion software comes from, uh, didn't it come out of what? Uh, um, didn't it come out of Venezuela or something like that? Didn't we have several, didn't we have several communist countries who were funding and supplying this kind of stuff? I mean, they use that stuff in Venezuela as well as the tactics of uh, stuffing ballots and stuff like that in that country as well. So that is very, it's very, that they've been employing these very same tactics across the planet, not just in America. And that is what is part of this great awakening that I, you know, that we all know about is the fact that it is happening, not just in America, but we as Americans are helping to bust that wide open, which is a great thing, right? 
So anyhow, he's calling for printed ballots in the upcoming election. Uh, he showed. Uh, he also showed a series of videos recently um, that he alleged as evidence of past fraud, maintaining that democracy was a high risk in Brazil. Now, critics say that Bolsonaro, the uh, um, like Donald Trump, is just sowing seeds of doubt. You know, and that's of course that's them getting ahead of the story. Um, but with his popularity falling after overseeing the world's second deadliest coronavirus outbreak, opinion polls show he trails the leftist president, Luis Inacio Lula de Silva. Now, this guy, um, Luis Inacio Lula de Silva, and, you know, I had a photo of him and I just didn't uh, elect to show it. But he actually was he's he actually was the president before. Let's pull him up. Let, let's let's show you who their leftist. Let's show you who his leftist. Uh, um, you guys are gonna laugh. You guys are gonna laugh. His leftist competition, right? This guy's a former president. That's the man right there. He's a, the former president of Brazil. This guy right here. His name is. <laughs> he looks like a freaking. Uh, I don't know, like Bilbo Baggins or something like that. <laughs> he looks like a hobbit. Uh, but this is this is the former president of Brazil, and he's going against Bolsonaro in the upcoming 2020 election. Now, this guy's a leftist socialist. If you want to talk about a dictator, this is a dictator of Brazil. Okay, this guy right here. I know you're gonna be like, "What the heck?" But like, uh, uh, so this guy uh, is actually is actually leading in the polls in Brazil. But this is because of the um, pandemic in Brazil. And we'll talk about the pandemic as well, but I just wanted you guys to see who this clown was. All right. Cause he's, yeah. Boom. Let's go back to the real, let's go back to the real deal here. Right. There we go. Back to president Bolsonaro. Anyways. So uh, his popularities uh, failed because of the pandemic. We'll talk about that in just a bit, but Bolsonaro has also insisted for months that Brazil should adopt the paper ballot, even though a constitutional minute changing the electoral system has not gained much traction in Congress. So that's the Congress of Brazil, obviously. Um, but uh, so there's a lot of infighting there going on. Now, what you will find in Brazil, from what I understand, is that a lot of politicians in their legislature, Congress, however you want to call it, they are all very corrupt. Um, but that's exactly uh, the kind of thing that we're talking about here. Now, um, what was the what was the main hubbub? Because, like I said, like uh, this is kind of just an introduction to my audience about what's going on in Brazil. We have Bolsonaro. You know, he is uh, the conservative leader currently of Brazil, uh, and then we have his son also. Now, um, his son recently met with. A German leader. Okay, so we're going to talk about some German allies, guys. We got our Mexican allies. We got our um, we got our uh, Brazilian allies. Now let's talk about our German allies. Uh, that is in the form of this woman here. Uh, this woman's name is uh, is uh, Beatrix von Stork. Okay, now Beatrix von Stork. Uh, she is a German politician. Um, and she has been a deputy leader of the Alternative for Germany group. So if you hear of the AFG, Alternative for Germany, uh, that is a conservative group working out of Germany, right? Uh, they are opposing the establishment. 
They're opposing, they are opposing Angela Merkel. Um, alternative for Germany has actually been uh, alternative for Deutschland, Deutschland, right? Uh, they have been active. Um, they have been, a, they are a populist party and they are also known for their opposition to the European Union and to illegal immigration. Okay. So those are kind of some of the standpoints that they go on. Again, these are people who are um, fighting for conservative and practical values and actually more than that as we'll go into it but so now you have uh the um the alternative for deutschland or for germany group headed up by beatrix von stork we have also president bolsonaro and his son we have president amlo in mexico these are some of our allies that we might want to consider and as just to open that doorway for all of us because it's a big world out there and the great awakening is not limited just to the united states of america as a lot of you guys in um as uh, in the chat have um recognized uh, but also that, um, you know, that uh, that that will stand possibly to fight beside us as we try and take down these globalists. Now, I have a comment here over in um, over in uh, Twitch that says AFD is a really good party. I'm from Sweden and I'm a member of AFS, which is the Swedish equivalent. That's very cool. Welcome over to the show. I'll put that on the screen real quick. Swiss cop Z. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the Sea Report. We're doing an international report today. We typically will cover American news, but um, uh, we're doing some international stories. So glad to have you along with us over there. We now have a Swiss friend. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can we can be friends here now. I, I really hope so. But yes, so yes, um, this is what we're talking about now. Um, Alternative for Deutschland and Beatrix von Stork recently met up with. Um, uh, they recently met up with. Um, Bolsonaro, um, um, his son, again, Eduardo, in Brazil. Now, this was recently, and I'll go ahead and put that on the screen. Now, this is just a kind of a photo of their meeting. There you have Eduardo Bolsonaro. We have uh, Beatrix von Stork, and you also have her husband, Sven, there as well. So they were meeting in Brazil. Now, this was this past week that they met in Brazil to form an alliance between the conservatives of Brazil and the conservative party of um, of uh, Germany there and what they're fighting for over in Germany now. Uh, uh, just I already mentioned, right? Uh, Germany, they're German nationalists, the right wing populist, and also, well, they say right wing, but I say conservative, you know, right wing just so uh, polarizing. Uh, but it's known for its opposition against the European Union. Uh, so now this was the 23rd. So it's actually a week from today that um, that uh, Bolsonaro and Von Stork met in Brazil, in Brasilia, in the capital of Brazil. Uh, the meeting that they had centered around Christian values of the West. OK, um, the politician wrote that they shared uh, the ideals of family defense. They had shared ideas of family defense border protection and national culture. So they're meeting, uh, they're like-minded, they're meeting up on talking about these things, they're forming an alliance. Uh, it became public that the AFD vice president also met Eduardo, uh, Eduardo's father, um, the conservative populist president of Brazil. During his trip abroad, he received the German politician at the presidential palace. Um, again, this was in Brasilia. Um, now, uh, von Stork wrote that his party wanted to network more closely and defend the Christian conservative values 
internationally. Uh, Beatrix von Storck's Bundstag office said that the meeting had already taken place on Wednesday of last week. Okay. So, uh, but naturally, when you have conservative people, like I said, outside of America, they also have their establishment. They also have their swamp. They have the people that are fighting with the, they're, they're fighting against the people with, and they're on the side of the globalists, those who are trying to commandeer the world. So let's show you one of the enemies for my, uh, for my, uh, my viewers over in uh, the Foxhole app. Put your, uh, put your glasses on because here comes an international swamp creature. This is a woman by the name of Gleesey Hoffman. Gleesey Hoffman. She's a left-wing left wing, left -wing uh, politician and lawyer um, out of Germany. Now, she was also the chief of staff. Oh, no, sorry, not out of Germany. Gleesey, as you would think so with a name like Gleesey Hoffman, right? But she's actually out of Brazil. This woman's out of Brazil. Okay, so Gleesey Hoffman is a Brazilian lawyer, globalist, and politician. Uh, she was the chief of staff of Brazil from uh, June 2011 through February 2014 during the presidency of Dilma Rousseff. And she is the current chair of the Labour Party for the ex-president Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. Now, you guys remember I showed you the picture of Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. He looks like he's a little off his rocker, like he's a crazy hobbit. But anyways, she's an opponent of um, the Bolsonaro um, administration and also of uh, the freedom of the people. Um, and uh, she said regarding the meeting between Bolsonaro and Von Stork, she said, the meeting is regrettable. They have everything in common, xenophobia, hate speech, and anti-democratic values and attitudes. Now, if you ask me, guys, she sounds exactly like the left the lefty communists here in America. She sounds like the Democrat Party here in America. They're xenophobic. They're homophobic. They're misogynist. Right? She sounds like Hillary Clinton. Anyways, so uh, they also received um, pushback from the, the group called Jews for Democracy. Uh, Jews for Democracy there. Because, again, they're calling them Nazis. Because Eduardo Bolsonaro, the son of the conservative president of Brazil, met with uh, Beatrix von Stork, apparently... They're Nazis. Okay. So again, makes no sense to us, but to them, it's perfect for the lies that they're trying to tell and the yarns that they're trying to spin. Uh, uh, Bolsonaro. Okay. So um, let's, let's go ahead and go back to here. Boop. There we go. There you go. There's Eduardo Bolsonaro. And also again, Beatrix von Stork. Uh, now the president's son, now Eduardo, he defended this meeting by saying that uh, he said, we are united by the ideals of defending the family, protecting borders and nat national culture. Okay. He said the world's conservatives are uniting to defend Christian values and family. So that's what this was about. Again, they're forming an alliance between Brazil and between Germany for the conservative parties. Again, on the out and outs from uh, the globalist run regimes that are trying to continue to control, um, continue to control uh, what else is going on here. Now, Eduardo Bolsonaro also fired back at that statement by Gleesey Hoffman, saying that it was a pleasure to be insulted by someone who received bribes from a Odebrecht construction company 
if the Workers' Party or the Labor Party hadn't been so corrupt and closed so many hospital ICUs, we might have been in a better position to fight the pandemic. Okay, so that sounds like there's a bigger story going on there in the country of Brazil when they're talking about this pandemic, because it really does seem that the um, the pandemic is the number one hinge in, uh, in taking out the president of Brazil. They're using that against him. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. And apparently there's a little bit more scandal going on there as well. Now, the Brazilian Labor Party or, or Workers' Party has at its roots the Marxist guerrilla of the 1970s and ruled Brazil from 2011 to 2016. So again, Marxist communists was what was ruling Brazil in the uh, prior to 2016, 2017. And that was under President Dilma Rousseff. Um, and he was voted out for rampant, rampant corruption. But again, this meeting between Eduardo um, Bolsonaro as well as Beatrix, uh, um, Beatrix von Stork was also praised by another Brazilian politician. Uh, and this Brazilian politician does have some note. Now, she's a representative by the name of Via Kisis. And she defended this visit because her grandfather um, was a Brazilian Jewish war hero by the name of General Samuel Kisis, who fought the Nazis alongside the United States 7th Army in Italy and was highly decorated for his courage. So, again, if you're going to have people from the left calling out Eduardo and Beatrix for being Nazis, then you have this individual here who is also a conservative representative for the country of Brazil, letting everyone know, look, this is not the case. My, my grandfather fought against the Nazis, is against Nazism, so why would I side with these Nazis? Well, in this regard, uh, Representative Kishis said, as a conservative representative, I was pleased to meet German representative Beatrix von Stork on recommendation of friends, including those in the Jewish community. Like myself, she is a defender of Judeo-Christian values of the family and stands up for the sovereignty of her homeland. Unfortunately, this meeting endangered, uh, engendered malicious slander and fake news. Now, fake news is also an international phrase, guys. It's not just relegated to the United States of America. Fake news is everywhere. It's a borderless. It, it, fake news is an idea without borders, right? Uh, but she says, um, uh, the meeting engendered malicious slander and fake news accusing her and me of neo-Nazism. This is absurd. First, let me clarify that if the AFD, the alternative for Deutschland party, contrary to some libelous claims, has nothing to do with Nazis. It is a legitimate and recognized party in Germany with 90 seats in the Bundestag. Obviously, like any political group, it may have some members who are more provocative or extreme, but to be fair, one must also point out that Beatrix von Stork is a moderate who has helped remove any extremists from the AFD. Her party supports and defends Israel. As for me, I am a vice president of the Brazil-Israel Friendship Group in the National Congress. In 2017, I was honored to serve as special ambassador for peace in the Holy Land, which I have visited twice once accompanying an official mission alongside President Bolsonaro, a great friend of Israel and the Jewish community. I have always fought prejudice, intolerance, racism, and for respect for others. 
I am a staunch supporter of Israel and its people. I am a Zionist and abhor both Nazism and any ideology that discriminates, oppresses, and kills. I also abhor the unscrupulous of the, uh, unscrupulousness of those who so readily accuse Christians and courageous women, stirring up the hatred of the uninformed against us. Any such speech must be combated. Must be combated. So there you go, guys. That's a little bit about what's going on in Brazil. A little bit more in depth than we covered in Mexico, but we'll get. We'll. I'm, I will circle back and not in the Saki style to what's going on in um, in the country of Mexico because there's definitely a lot going on there that we should be concerned about, uh, especially since there are border to the south. But now let's go ahead and take a trip over to Rome, Italy, to the Vatican, and let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the Vatican. Now, apparently, within the last week, uh, we had the Vatican uh, coming under some money laundering scandals. Go figure, right? Like we probably could have figured that something like this, it's always going on down over there, right? In St. Peter's. So, okay. So the Vatican is announcing criminal charges against uh, for financial corruption and money laundering um, in the uh, in the Holy See, as that's what they call it, the Holy See, right? That sounds kind of funny, but anyways, uh, the Holy See has announced criminal charges against ten individuals, both clergy and laymen, in ongoing attempts to punish widespread financial corruption. Now, among those named in this process was Cardinal Giovanni Angelo, uh, Angelo Becci, um, who is the number two at the Vatican Secretariat of State. So that's the man there. His name is Cardinal Giovanni Angelo Becci. Um, and he's number two at the Vatican Secretary of State, a recent revelation in the Italian press called uh, uh, RAI3. Uh, implicated Betsy's former boss, also uh, Pietro Parolin. We'll talk about him in a minute. Now, Cardinal Giovanni Bacciulli, um, his alleged involvement in the oversight and cover-up of this scandal was at the center of the investigation of the report, but lawyers say that he's innocent. Of course, they're going to say he's innocent, right? Why did I even need to say that? Now, in a statement issued to select journalists on July 3rd, Betsy says, now this is what he says. He says, I am the victim of machinations wrought against me. Okay, right, right. He said he's going to prove to his world his absolute innocence. Now, the whole reason why this whole tower came down around this cardinal who's involved in this money laundering and financial scheme scandal in the heart of what is supposed to be what the finance the the, uh, the spiritual heart of the world right uh, is thanks to this guy his name is um, Dr. Libero Melone Dr. Libero Melone okay so Dr. Libero Melone um, had weighed these allegations against uh, Cardinal Bucci, Becci, Becci, Becci. I'm, I'm really bad at saying uh, Italian names. Sorry, guys. Um, um, because uh, he is a former auditor of the uh, administration of the patrimony of the Apostle C. Uh, the office was established by Pope Paul VII to oversee the provisions owned by the Holy See in order to provide the funds necessary for the Roman curia to function. And that also includes the Vatican Bank. Now, in the interview that Maloney gave, he alleged that in addition to previously reported financial scandals, 
this guy here, the Vatican had invested 20 million euros in two Swiss pharmaceutical companies. Okay, the Vatican invested 20 million euros in two Swiss pharmaceutical companies, Roche and Novartis. These companies produce morning after abortifacient pills. Morning after pills, guys, for abortion. The Vatican is investing 20 million euros into two pharmaceutical companies that make morning after pills, okay? He found this while he was doing his investigation, this Dr. Uh, Melone. Um, uh, and that also, obviously, that contradicts the teaching of the Catholic Church on abortion. So that was one problem. Uh, the, one, uh, the report also went on to clarify that uh, after Melone discovered these investments in these pharmaceutical com companies, the Vatican had taken swift action to correct them. But soon Melone also discovered another potential scandal, and that was a money investment uh, that was money investments from Iran into accounts baking, breaking international sanctions. So now we have the Secretariat of State and their office in the Vatican making illegal, probably treasonous transactions between themselves and the country of Iran. Uh, basically being in business with a terrorist state, right? So all of this stuff is coming up. Uh, uh, hopefully, I mean, it's just all, it's more of this dark to light stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, Maloney also noted that previous scandals have included the use of Peter's Pence tithes. A large portion of these tithes or donations are gathered from United States based faithful, and they are meant to be used on the poor. So United States contributions, donations, tithes to the Vatican for the poor were being used by the Vatican to fund non-Catholic projects, including, and this one's funny, guys, including an Elton John biopic. So you faithful Catholics in the United States of America who are tithing to the Vatican, uh, Peter's Pence tithe for the poor, you're actually funding the Elton John biopic. I mean... <laughs> Sorry, that's just, that's such a bad contradiction. Like, it's just, it's sad. Okay, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just crazy. So you're paying for the Elton John biopic, but also this uh, tithing center paid for a failed London property scheme, okay, that uh, this, uh, this, this dude, um, uh, what I say, Cardinal Giovanni Angelo Becci, uh, he was involved in this scheme, okay? And so this is a failed London property scheme. No telling, maybe they're just trying to buy up London property, no telling what they were going to do for it. Either ways, they sunk their money into it and it failed, okay? So <laughs> it didn't work out for them, not clearly at all. Uh, now, uh, Melone also noted that previous scandals have included, oh, I already told you that, guys. Now, this failed lender property scheme. Now, um, that deal that deal led to subsequent police raid, okay? So because of this, uh, this failed property scheme and this Elton John biopic, among other things, including the Iran uh, uh, money laundering international sanction thing, there was a raid on there was a raid on um, on uh, uh, Cardinal Becci's house. Okay, but uh, Cardinal 
Cardinal Giovanni Angelo Becci, he was also censored by Pope Francis, okay? So, but he was not the only one who was censored by Pope Francis. This man as well. And this guy, he looks like your typical shady Vatican villain, right? That's what he looks like to me, right? Okay. But this guy, his name is Cardinal Pietro Parolin. Um, now, only a few days after Cardinal Becci was publicly censored by Pope Francis, this, the Secretary of State, Cardinal Petro Perolin, was also separately censored. So that kind of raised a bunch of questions, like if uh, if uh, uh, good old Pope, I mean, sorry, if good old Cardinal Perolin is getting censored, what's going on here? Now, Pope Francis has quietly removed him from the oversight of the Vatican Bank, because apparently that's what the Secretariat of State does over in the Vatican. And a lot of people are kind of questioning now. He said it was he said it was tradition for him to be removed by the Pope, but that didn't really seem to be the case. As more revelations came out about this, um, uh, about Abeci. Um, we're coming into light. A letter was also leaked from the Italian press in regards to a loan for that failed London property that Cardinal Becci was involved in. And guess what? This man, Cardinal Parolin, the Secretariat of State, his signature was on that document. So that brought even more that brought him even more into this uh, um, this fraud scandal uh, that, that that was going on in the Vatican. Very in, very interesting to say the least. If you follow Vatican politics, who knew that there were Vatican politics? Certainly, I didn't. Uh, but apparently there are, and that's why we're doing this international stuff. Now, I would say if we're going to talk about the Vatican, we're just going to talk about the, we're just going to highlight the corruption of supposed spiritual leaders. That's not to say that they all are, but uh, there's something really amiss with the Vatican, if you ask me, and I don't mean to offend any practicing or devout Catholics, uh, but this is what's going on at the hubbub of your world. Now, in the meantime, uh, while uh, Cardinal Perolin, the uh, Vatican villain we have here on the screen, uh, is coming under question for these revelations that are coming out about him, uh, we see that there are more questions coming out, and we seem to have a whistleblower of sorts stepping up to the front. Now, maybe he's whistleblowing, maybe he's just trying to save his face. This is Monsignor Alberto Perlasca. Now, Monsignor Alberto Palasca, he was the um, he was uh, one of the key figures in this entire debacle. Um, he's actually uh, the former head of the Vatican Secretary of State's administrative office. So he wasn't the Secretary of State, but he was the head of the administrative office there. And he managed to avoid charges, even though he was also raided at his home uh, and his uh, assets were frozen for possibly being involved in money laundering and other charges. Now, Perlaska actually reported the uh, um, he's actually the reported highest ranking whistleblower against uh, Cardinal Bucci, which is the guy that we showed you at the head of this, the one who's actually embroiled in all of this. And it is believed that the testimony that he gives um, will actually be a very, very key during the preliminary arguments on the defense. Now, the defense and everything that's going on with the scandal, that is taking place this week. Um, but these scandals will have serious consequence. Like we won't see this now. In the past, whenever there were scandals like this breaking out in the, in the Vatican, it was left up to the Pope to cast judgment and punishment. But 
Pope Francis, and we're not going to talk about Pope Francis, because I know you guys probably know a lot about Pope Francis, and you guys probably know a lot about some of the crap that he's involved in. But uh, Pope Francis, uh, for the sake of the story, uh, he's actually relinquished his um, his uh, judgment on these this scandal and on these uh, cardinals, and they will not be judged by the Pope. Instead, they will actually be judged uh, for their financial corruption uh, by actual law enforcement and judiciary. So that's an interesting story developing out of the Vatican on this international show day here at the Sea Report. I hope you guys are having a good time out there. I know this is kind of like, whoa. Okay, so all right. On to our last story for today, guys, and then we'll be wrapping it up for you. We have uh, the country of Australia. What's going on in Australia? So you guys know that Australia and the United Kingdom uh, are and Canada are, I mean, it's going to be all of the crown colonies, right, are among those who are wrapping up all of their citizens in this draconian, uh, terrible um, um, uh, mask and vast society where they're forcing all their people to be part of this against their will. Now, Australia has imposed a lockdown on their citizens until 70 to 80% of their citizenship is vaccinated. And then they will lift the restrictions. It's terrible. 70 to 80%, guys. Now, the Australian government revealed that the COVID-19 vaccination targets for the country um, uh, before they lift any of their uh, quarantine mandates uh, is that 80% of the population must be vaccinated before the country can start further reopening its international borders. Uh, 70% of Australians, uh, and they also want 70% of the Australians over the age of 16 to be fully vaccinated before stay-at-home orders and related restrictions can have a chance to be lifted. So 70% of those under six, 16, I mean, those uh, over 16 and 80% of their population have to be vaccinated before they can do anything. This is terrible, guys. You can see why they were having rallies in Australia and indeed around the world and all the crown colonies because of this. Now, earlier in July, um, the Australian uh, prime minister, this joke here, uh, his name is what? Uh, what is the name of this guy? Scott Morrison. Scott Morrison, the Australian prime minister, um, he had said that there was a four-phase plan to open up Australia. Now, uh, in phase B of the plan, okay, so what? Well, well, okay, so we'll get to phase A. Uh, they're currently in phase A. Okay, uh, they're currently in phase A. Uh, but phase B will only open if 70% of the vaccination target is met by both national and state level. It's a two-key process, he says. Now, in phase B, lockdowns may still be possible, but will be more unlikely and authorities will, um, authorities will more likely lean toward lesser restrictions uh, that would inv that would not involve stay-at-home orders. It's, this kind of reminds me of Richard Gretchen Whitmer and how she had like an uh, an open up uh, Michigan kind of thing going on, and she had all these plans and phases. 
Now, Morrison said that for phase B, international border caps will remain and low-level international arrivals will be able to uh, be undertaken under control settings with safe and proportioned uh, quarantine to uh, minimize the risk of COVID, yada, 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 right, basically. Now, in phase C, they will have citywide lockdowns that will be expected to end, although some restrictions may remain to minimize the spread of the virus among vulnerable groups. The phase involves fewer restrictions on travel in and out of the country, according to this man yelling at you, Scott Morrison. Uh, in the final phase, which is phase D, Australia will have a full reopening of its international borders such that there would be no caps on inbound arrivals. Totally locked down, totally draconian, totally just, I, I mean, I can't believe it. Like, um, if you tune in with us to Mr. C in the dark, uh, I think Saturday night, I actually have a video of someone who is in or who is from Canada talking about some of the stuff that they're facing. It's really kind of sad and pathetic. I feel so bad for our friends to the north of us. Uh, now, there is no clear timeline of when Australia will open up. This is all dependent on uh, the variants and whatever COVID decides to do or whatever the CDC or the WHO decides to say tell you to do is more of what it sounds like to me. Um, the prime minister did not offer a timeline. He acknowledged that the targets are relatively high compared to the rest of the world. In other words, the 70 and 80% that he wants compared to the rest of the world uh, in order for his country to open up. It's very high compared to the rest of us. But he said that there are two significant countries that are at that point. And it doesn't surprise me. It's the United Kingdom and Israel. They are clear of 70 to 80% of their population being vaccinated, which is ridiculous, which makes you wonder what the heck is really going on here. Uh, because clearly this has nothing to do with a, a, a mass pandemic or pandemic masses, I guess, kind of redundant <coughs> in that regard. But anyhow, so that's what's going on. Uh, he says that uh, he wants to meet the United Kingdom and Israel and the work that they've done. He says the UK has got there and Israel has gotten there. And that uh, he says, even though Israel has 70% of their population vaccinated, the country of Australia or the, the whatever, they've actually handed out more vaccines as if though that were some kind of prize you know, as if that were some kind of trophy for him to meet. But again, um, um, all of these rules and regulations for opening uh, Australia are dependent on anything, uh, potential changes that come out of um, um, the COVID-19 variants and the COVID-19 vaccination, whatever, you know, like it's, it's pretty sad that we see this happening. But again, ladies and gentlemen, that's what's happening around the world. All righty, guys, that sums it up for today's episode of the Sea Report. I hope you enjoyed our first international, our first international show, and our brand new friend over at Twitch, Swee Cop Z, says, "I will never take the vax." And awesome, none of us here are taking out now. Swee Swee Cop Z, just in case you're like, why are you saying this? Um, um, I'm I'm actually um, I'm actually broadcasting on multiple platforms now over in uh, Twitch, um, and you're very welcome for the show. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for hanging out. Uh, uh, very often in Twitch, we have a very small type of uh, um, uh, we have a small a smaller audience over at Twitch. Uh, Generally, we get trolls and people who are rude uh, to myself and, and those on this program. So it's always great to have someone over at Twitch that's holding on to the light 
and holding that door open for others that, you know, just want to see what's going on. Uh, the other family that I'm speaking to is over at the Foxhole app. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Foxhole app, but that's where a lot of patriots and conservatives and like-minded people have gotten together. So I'm always, I'm always talking with them because Twitch, it's usually a bunch of negative people, but it's great to have you on. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's, it's, it's an American thing. <laughs> The foxhole app is definitely an American thing. But anyway, so just so you know, if I'm ever talking to someone and you're like, there's no one else here but me, Mr. C, it's because I'm talking on other platforms as well. But anyways, thank you all for hanging out today. I hope you got a good time with this first internet. I hope it met y'all's expectations by something. I was really happy with what was going on in Brazil and the information I was able to share with you guys there. We'll take a look at some other things as we move forward. Now, don't forget, just for those of you who are new to the show, uh, the C Report generally airs Monday through Friday uh, uh, so from 7.30 p.m. Central Time in the United States. And then also uh, Mr. C in the Dark will be live today at midnight. Uh, we'll have the Speak and Easy, hopefully, God willing, on with us. And, and um, hopefully Aurelius Slough will be joining us as well. And then we'll be airing it tomorrow. And we have Lone Star News tomorrow evening, uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, that's Saturday at 4 p.m. Texas time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're over in the Foxhole app, thanks for hanging out. I uh, had a great time coming in for you guys early today. I've already released the lotto. So you may begin a scratching to your joy. I'm going to go and make a quick scratch too. All right, let's see what I can claim. I got two pills. It'll work. It'll work. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have a great weekend. We'll see you here tonight at midnight. If you're a late night owl and you want to hang out with us on Mr. C in the Dark. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow for Lone Star News. And if you're busy tomorrow, then we will see you again on Monday at the C Report, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Till then, take care. <laughs>